Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories and welcome to my interview with Steve Layton. Steve has been ranching on the Arizona Strip his entire life. His family bought the ranch and moved there from southern Arizona not long after he was born. His grandkids are now the fifth generation there on the ranch and I'm excited for you to hear his story. Do you want to just start off by introducing yourself and okay. tell us a little bit about your childhood and how you got involved in this kind of lifestyle? I'm Steve Layton, uh, and I, I would like to say right off that I want to thank Lindsay for doing these interviews, not necessarily mine, but uh, it's pretty neat to hear the histories from some of the the people that have been in the cattle and ranching business for their lives and on the Arizona Strip. Just it's, it's a good thing that you're putting this together. I want to thank you for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's fun. Okay. Uh, I said my name is Steve Layton. Uh, been ranching on the Arizona Strip uh, all my life. Uh, my family, my mom and dad moved up from down to Tempe, Arizona. They had a farm and a dairy there and dad had been in world war ii and after the war they farmed and dairied there in tempe and my grandpa and my dad bought this ranch up here on the strip in 1949 and uh i would i was born in 1948 so i was just a baby when when we moved up here and uh pretty uh remote place they came to it was 50 miles out of St. George on all, all dirt roads back then. Today we can do it in an hour and a half or so, but back then it was pretty pretty tough roads, little, little roads. They always had a little Jeep pickup and maybe another old truck or two, but uh, pretty uh, slim slim times back then. They, they uh, We lived out on that ranch in a little cabin until... Uh, me and my two sisters were old enough to go to school, and then we moved into St. George. Mom and Dad bought a, a house in there, and we moved in there. And uh, anyway, uh, the the ranch at that time was not not very developed. It it had mustangs and no fences, no water development, and so it was quite a project for a, a young man, for my dad, to. Uh, come in and pretty much alone with just him, him and his little little family. Uh, 
lot of fences to put in. All the perimeter fences were to be built. Uh, pipelines, crells, just all the kind of in infrastructure for a ranch uh, had to be built through the years, which they, they did a lot of work out there, uh, which we enjoy all their efforts today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was the cabin that you guys lived in, was it out there already? The, it, part of it was there. They, they added on to it. It's still a pretty primitive little cabin. It's got a, a wood stove and a gas fridge in it and a couple of bedrooms and a little tack room and, and, uh, and a porch out front. Pretty much the same now as it was back then. We haven't uh, did a lot to it over the years because we don't own any private property out there. It's all BLM and some state ground. And as we was talking earlier, we run cattle on 120 sections of country out there on on this permit. And uh, it's pretty year round, right? Year it's year round. It's a uh, pretty rough country. A lot of it is, uh, especially the upper part of it, is cedar trees and black brush and real thick. A lot of waters, a lot of, of uh, game in the country, a lot of mule deer and coyotes and bobcats and some cougars. And, and uh, anyway, it's just kind of been a lifetime project for, for one more third generation Roquels families, fourth generation. How did they find out about it coming from Tempe? How do you find out about something that far away back uh, then? I, I had an uncle named Guy Anderson, uh, and he was in partners with another guy, and I'm not thinking his name now. They had actually bought that ranch a year or two before, and it was, uh, even for back then, I think they gave sixteen thousand dollars for a 600 head permit but it it was it wasn't much it was <laughs> it was pretty tough tough deal to even make a living out there at that time uh anyway uh the winter of 1948 came and they had brought some new cattle in there uh and i think a lot of them died because it was a lot of snow that winter and they had a it was just a pretty pretty bad deal for them anyway dad and grandpa ended up buying it from from uh, Guy Anderson. And uh, anyway, that, that's how they they uh, came to own it. But if you go on previous owners from them, back in the 30s, the, the Smoots brothers from up to uh, uh, New Harmony. Yeah. Okay. Uh, owned it, and they had goats, mohair goats out there. Used to, as a kid, used to see a lot of... of uh, just remnants from what they were there, the, the little cutter bars around different places where they, they sheared the sheep, and you could tell the goats were there because they had the cedar trees trimmed up as far as they could reach the, the <laughs> trees. And, and uh, anyway, they had, they had a lot of goats there back in the 30s and maybe early 40s. And then, then from there, there was a couple owners, and then we came along. And we've been there ever since, since 19. 49. I think it's neat when you can go on a piece of property like that or go look around somewhere and you can see the history of what was there before. Like one of my favorite things about the mountain where we run on is seeing the remnants of like the old wooden troughs that are all carved out that are still yeah. laid down. 
I think that's pretty cool. I can even remember once in a while finding the old uh, goat heads with the curly horns oh, on really? that were still around the country that uh, from goats that had, that died out there. So the Smoots had goats, and then you, your family was the first one to take cattle down there. Well, and the and the ones before us had cattle in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was like kind of open range when you guys first were out there, because you guys would have to go clear down to. It, it was a designated allotment from the Taylor grazing law, but the the perimeter fences weren't there, and so there was a lot of of mixing of cattle back in those days because there wasn't any fences. Okay. And my dad, when he first come up there, he had, like I said before, he had a, a dairy down in Tempe, a little dairy, and he bought a purebred Brahma bull and, and bred to those uh, Holstein cows. And that was really? Some, <laughs> <laughs> some of the first uh, heifers that he brought up there were those half Brahma, half Holstein cows. And, and there was uh, genetics of them. I remember through a lot of years, you'd see those spotted cows, even though they, That's they, funny. Were, <laughs> they weren't very uh, Holstein anymore, but they, they had that color yeah. to them. And That's funny. Back, back in those days, he, he had a, quite a lot of, of uh, Brahma influence, even purebred Brahmas out there, and some of them, they'd get wild. And he was always, because early days he didn't have a lot of facilities to gather them, not a lot of help, especially the cattle on the upper end of that ranch. They'd get wild, and he was always roping mavericks. <laughs> Too many memories. <laughs> uh, we'd be riding or driving around the ranch and, and run into a bunch of cattle, and, of course, the wild ones would run. And we'd we'd jump out, and each of us would rope one, and we'd end up tying them up, and always try to wrap them around a cedar tree where we could get them and get them down, and try to get them to a truck and drag them in a truck. Did a lot of them that way, and that just made them wilder to to run them. And we were a lot different than that now. They're they're pretty gentle cattle compared to back in them days. Better facilities we. Trap most of the cattle on on waters, uh, are able to to gather them fairly easy compared to years ago, and I'm able to to uh, manage them and move them around the ranch and stuff a lot lot better than we did years ago. Is that <clears throat> some of your favorite memories? Is doing that with your with your dad? I know you got a little emotional thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. It was it was kind of a, a upper part of that ranch was kind of a wild cow deal. We was always trying to catch them in traps and riding and and finding them in salt traps and getting them locked in and uh, had some pretty bad bad bulls grow up, which we still have a few out there, don't we? Once in a while. That were where Mavericks had a he had a favorite old horse named Clabber. And he was out of a, a the old uh, racehorse, Clabber down in Arizona, famous horse. And <coughs> this old horse, uh, who could really run, was a good good cow horse. And uh, 
one uh, day our, our neighbor from down south come up to help dad ride and dad put him on this little clabber horse and they, they ended up jumping this this big <coughs> horned maverick bull and uh, and they was bringing him off the side of a mountain and and that old horse was just fast enough to to get in the right place and he got in front of that bull and the bull gored him and killed him oh right there well he he lived for a while they yeah, they got tried back to the house. <clears throat> they got him back and and was had him loaded up and was going to bring him into the vet but he didn't make it a lot of different stories about wild bulls out there. We ended up shooting some of them because they'd get them in a corral and they'd jump out. And uh, were just pretty dangerous to, to be around to, to get them. We've, we've even done that here in the last, not too many years ago. It's so bad you can't get in, in a corral with them horseback or they they will attack you because they're so so big and mean. Gosh. What are some other stories that we could talk about, Raquel? How about some of those, um, like when you guys would get those hunters out hunting lions and do some mule stories. You have some good mule stories too, like your your sinking mule. There was a couple of mules going clear back to my childhood that we had out there. And one that I rode a lot, he was a, a blue, really pretty blue mule. And he, he was a pretty good mule for a mule. And we used him a lot out there. And uh, Roquel reminded me of a story. I was riding him on a pond bank, and the pond had uh, had a gopher hole or something and had undermined the, the bank, which it didn't show on top. And that mule's little feet sunk through and oh. just went straight down through a, through a cavern. And you could just see his head sticking up from the top <laughs> and he couldn't get out so uh, I remember walking quite a ways back to the truck and getting a shovel and uh, shoveling for a long time to get him where he could get, get out of that mule had that pretty blue color and uh, you know the actor Slim Pickens the old actor you know no i'm terrible with names i recognize faces but i'm so bad with names a lot of western movies and a a, a rodeo cowboy a lot and uh if you look him up he'd have quite a quite a history of what he did but he was a a rodeo clown quite a bit and this would go back in probably the 1960s because i'd have been just a kid or a teenager but uh Anyway, the Dixie Roundup, the, at the annual Dixie Roundup, it was a pretty big deal back in St. George all through the years. And Slim Pickens, they was was uh, the clown for the, and he had a specialty act and a, and a horse that did tricks and quite a quite a show for a halftime show and stuff. Anyway, this old horse that he used to uh, perform with was was quite old, and he was looking for a, a horse to ride in the parade they had every day there okay. at the Dixie Roundup, part of the the parade and all the festivities there. And uh, I don't know how he knew that we had that mule there, but anyway, Dad loaned him that mule to ride in the parade every day. And it was my job, I was just a kid, 
to ride that mule from where we lived up to the to the town there, the St. George. They weren't that big then now, but I'd take that mule up and uh, ride with uh, Slim Pickens in the parade and got to know That's him a little fun. bit, you know, That's back cool. then. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, he he uh, rode that mule into the old Dick Hammer's uh, restaurant there. <laughs> and, and, oh. and Blue would do that. <laughs> That's cool. If we back up just a little bit, so when you were a kid and you guys were living out there, would you come to town very often, or would would you just could you just survive out there? Back back in the uh, when their mom and dad were first out there, uh, they used to talk about coming to town once a month to buy groceries. And so they'd live out there for a month at a time. Okay. Uh, I don't know how we could do that today, could we? <laughs> without Be a little going, bit harder. <laughs> without going to Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they, they, they knew how to, how to do that. They'd live out there for quite a spell without coming to town. Would you guys have a milk cow while you lived out there? Uh, drink a lot of canned milk. I can't imagine Grandpa having a milk cow. So. No. We, you just had to go he, I don't think he liked milk cows anymore. <laughs> no, he was over that. But they had a, a propane fridge, and it it was we always had a refrigerator, and so they could keep stuff cold. At, uh, what were some of the things you and your sisters would do to pass the time? Oh gosh, it seemed like we were always busy doing projects with dad and mom and dad, and and just ranch work and. Of course, we was always playing stuff too, and making mud pies out in the yard as little kids, which kids still do out there. Still, still <laughs> the thing everybody has to do when they get there. Uh, but uh, riding horses and and uh, just doing ranch stuff out in the country. It seemed like we were always occupied doing doing stuff out there. Uh, was it always something you were interested in, or did you think about doing something else with your life? I always thought I wanted to, to ranch, yeah. I just kind of growed up doing it and enjoyed raising the, the cattle every year and just being around them and working them and, and taking care of them. It was kind of a, a stewardship thing. It was something that, uh, I don't know, very satisfying to take, take care of those cattle and, and rewarding to have a new calf crop every year and, and uh, being able to, to make a living doing it. and It's, it's, been, a, a, it's been a good life, yeah. It's good. Can you talk about the stewardship a little bit more? I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand about ranching or is, is the stewardship side of it and the conservation side of it. Okay. You talking about that. I think uh, ranching and farming are kind of a, a way of life. And there's a, a lot of, uh, like I said before, a lot of, of uh, satisfaction that comes from making the the land better and the, and in making the, the the cattle and what we raise better each year by by what we do our inputs in it by buying better better bulls all the time and and uh, making the cattle more more efficient and and. Uh, uh, it's just a, a lot of care that goes into these animals. Uh, it's a kind of a everyday thing, a lot of it, to to uh, be able to 
make them thrive and do good. And, and at the same time, uh, and that's part of it is the same with, with the land. We, we have to do what needs to be done to take care of the, the range or, or it, it will deteriorate and go downhill. And so we, we need to take care of it as we go along to, to, to uh, keep the land uh, productive and, and uh, making feed for these cattle year after year it needs to to get better which it has we've we're our grazing land out there is just seems like it's just increased through the years and, and got a lot better it's good i i guess i didn't realize how many people outside of this kind of lifestyle would listen to the podcast and so that's something that I like to try to mention as often as I can, because I feel like a lot of them just think that you just go turn your cows out and that's the end of it. But it's not like there's a lot of a lot that goes on. You, you make a good point. I think uh, people need to realize that ranchers are here for the long run. And we're that's part of our our job is to to uh, take care of the land and, and the animals and the the more not more but uh, as go along with the livestock we take care of the uh, the game animals out there too they're they're important to us and we uh like to see all the the deer and the different animals that are out there and they're kind of part of the environment with us also yeah and any kind of improvement that you do benefits them also yes it does yeah that's a, a part of the the land out there is the animals that are on it, and include, including us and our livestock. Yeah. yeah. What would you say the hardest part about running cattle where you do is? Oh, uh, some of the hardest years that we have had, and a, a big challenge for us have been the fires, and those often happen on some of the wettest years. We'll grow a lot of uh, grasses and annuals in the springtime and just have an abundance of, of grass and a lot of it dries up in the summer and creates a fire hazard like this year and lightning will come along in the summer and start a fire and kind of wipe us out for a year or two till it till it comes back but it does come back if we uh, cut our numbers down and and just kind of do what we have to do to to get back in business again. But that, that's been a, a big problem for us through the years are the fires. Of course, we're always either dealing with a drought or or, or, fire. or, or fire or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, part of the challenge of, of uh, running cattle and, and grazing on the Arizona Strip and probably a lot of other places too that we deal with. On the flip side of that, what would you say the best part is? Mm, I, I would have to say uh, a big part of uh, ranching is you get to to uh, work day to day with your family and they're a part of, of the whole operation and business and just day to day you get to, to be with your family. You don't just get up and go to work and don't see your family. They're just kind of part part of the the program all through the 
the year and the and the seasons, and you get, you get to do all this as a family. I think that's that's been a big big part of uh, ranching and farming is is it's kind of a, a family thing. I like that. I think that's something that I haven't really paid that close of attention to until I started raising my own family. It was like how cool it was to be able to grow up that way and to be able to go to work with your your mom and your dad or yeah to feel like maybe, you can contribute maybe sometimes the kids don't think it's so fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it is it is a joy to be able to, <clears throat> to be be able to raise your family on a on a farm and a ranch and yeah kind of be a and you you really couldn't do it alone you, it's it's kind of Part of the deal is kind of a, a family operation to be able to to succeed and and make a living. So the family is important in in a lot of different ways. Do any favorite memories in particular stand out to you when you think back to raising your family the way that you did? Trying to think, uh, just a lot a lot of good memories about being being together and doing things and doing projects and and moving cattle, uh, driving cattle, kind of been some big Lots of excitement. get-togethers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it was always, like, cool that we were always really involved, like, whether we were working or building something or dealing with cows, like, sorting cows, loading cows, herding cows, like, every step of the way we were right in the thick of it. <laughs> we were probably, like... Not a lot of help. Most. <laughs> no, a lot of help. Yeah. Uh, I think. But just like getting uh, to learn, getting to learn all that stuff, like how to read a cow and what what's wrong with this cow, you know, just like we're always just right there in the middle of everything. So, just kind of knew from when we were little, just kind of knew things, even even though we probably didn't know much. We felt like we knew stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a on-the-job lifetime training. Right. You never, you never. Uh, learn it all seem like there's something new every day something something's uh, new or or either on the good side or the bad side there's always always new things where would you say the coolest place you've ever been horseback is hmm been all over that ranch horseback but Roquel's taken us to some cool places that were not part of the ranch here. What was it? Uh, that was this spring. Was that just this spring? Mm-hmm. We all loaded our horses up and went down, oh, past Mesquite, down to Riverside and down around by uh, Whitney Pockets and went on a, quite a ride down to some Indian hieroglyphics and not just a little bit. I mean, just great big panels that are hard hard to get. It'd be quite a quite a walk to get to it, but horseback we were all able to to get down in there, and uh, it was just a different place to go that uh, normally wouldn't wouldn't get there just walking, or I wouldn't maybe yeah. real kill kid. But, <laughs> we're pretty good at going sightseeing at the ranch, but we don't get out much from aside from that. So yeah. When we do, we're like, oh wow, this is great. <laughs> Seems like there's always something to do at the ranch, so we don't go vacationing a lot. But, uh, 
that was that was a cool little little trip. Roquel's been our activity director. She gets us going to <laughs> different places. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's been cool. fun. So how did you end up um, taking it over from your dad? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Just kind of growed into it, I guess. Uh, I don't know if there was any specific time or anything, but just through the years, uh, as dad kind of, he was always involved in everything up even when he was old. But as as he got older, he, he just kind of slowed down and did less and less of it and and it's just kind of a thing that we just evolved into, yeah. I think it's neat when they can when they can stay in the family, like for that. generations, yeah. yeah. And a lot of them don't too. So older, or uh, as the family grows and the family gets bigger, it just kind of gets to be people are not family members are not interested in it anymore sometimes too. Yeah. What would your advice be to the next generation of ranchers coming up? Uh, I guess I would say that it's it's a a good life, a good good way to make a living. There's some a lot of times there's not a lot of money in it, but just the 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 joy of of what we do and what we're able to raise every year. It, it we're we're uh, Raising a, a good product for for the economy, uh, which is a, a, a satisfying thing to be able to to grow food for for people. I think that's a a kind of a a calling, I guess, that we have to to be able to do that and have the ability and the, and the know-how to, to go out and make a living in these remote places and be able to, to raise a bunch of uh, good calves every year. And, and uh, it's it's not a real easy life a lot of times, but, but we, do, we do are able to, to do that and, and make a lot of food for people. I think that's very, very satisfying. And I, th- I think young people that have the opportunity to do that, I think that it's, it's, it's a good way to 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 live. That concludes part one of my interview with Steve Layton. If you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And like always, head over to our Instagram page um, to put a face behind the name. Our Instagram is at cowboystories underscore podcast. Stay tuned for part two coming out soon. Thanks.